Well, on Sunday, how many of you were here on Sunday? All right, good. Going to be back this Sunday? Can we bring somebody with you? All right, good deal. Um, I shared with you that I wanted to say a few things tonight about the whole same-sex marriage uh, issue. And uh, let me qualify just a couple of things before we get started in this tonight. How many of you have ever had a pot pie? Okay. Some of y'all said pot and I didn't get the pie yet. (laughs) So let's try it again. How many of you have ever had a pot pie? Okay. Um, I remember... um, I traveled with some music groups for a, f- a few years, and then I'm, I was living in Tampa, working on staff at a church, and I had my own apartment, and I was just so pleased with that. And uh, because for years I'd been sharing everything with all kinds of people on the road, you didn't have anything as your own. So I had my my own little apartment, and it was it was you know it probably wasn't much, well it wasn't, but it was mine at the time. So I remember going to the grocery store and getting uh, food, whatever I wanted. And uh, one of the things I got was um, some pot pies. And I, re- I remember how good they were as a kid. And then I would come home from working at the church and I'd cook it and, and I forgot it takes 45 minutes. <laughs> and so I thought, it can't really take 45 minutes. So I did all kinds of things. You know, turn the heat up a little more. Maybe to, well, that didn't work, you know, or, you know, it's got to be close enough. And I can vividly remember one time pulling out a turkey pot pie and still had about 11 minutes to go, you know, and I thought, no, it should be good. It's looking pretty good on top. And, and then I got into it and it wasn't ready. So it, it wasn't quite ready. And what I'm saying to you tonight is what I want to share with you is I have begun to study and pray on this. I'm not ready to go on the full uh, presentation on this, but I do have some things I want to share with you about it tonight, okay? Um, because I believe the subject is serious enough that it believes it, that it deserves a fuller treatment. So if I were to try to just give you a definitive everything tonight, it's going to be like that pot pie. You with me? All right, so let me share just a few things with you, and then we're going to go in a little another direction tonight. And again, I've, the whole issue would be clarity. And in order to have full clarity, I believe timing is involved in that. In Matthew 19, verse 4 and 5, and he answered, who answered? Jesus. I'll go ahead and let you know. Jesus. He answered and he said to them, now just listen to this verse, and this will give you a verse to stand on. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Let me just say this real quick. Parts are parts. Okay, let's keep going. He made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And that is what's been called the mathematics of marriage. And, and we're facing a big, big issue in our country today. It's not the first time this has happened. This has happened centuries ago in virtually every every civilization keeps coming back up. And I'll be quite honest with you. I, I don't know the outcome. I, I really don't know the outcome, the momentum. You know, our, our president even, you know, is 
suddenly four months ago or so said, you know, yeah, I believe this. And I believe that he said that out of opportunity because, you know, there's quotes of him saying other things, you know, uh, previous years. So the math, the mathematical formula for marriage really is a husband and a wife. And it's in the same context of male and female. Now, this is a complex, controversial topic. And I want to go ahead and say this. It is expressly forbidden by Scripture. But here's the point, and this is why I need a little more time on this. It's expressly forbidden by Scripture. But seven times, everybody say seven. Seven Seven times in Scripture where any form of homosexuality is forbidden. Get this now. All seven times, it's in a list. And it's in a list of other sins. The sins you do. And one of the problems happening right now in our culture is Christians are absolutely aggravated and some even hateful toward people who sin differently than they do. So this is forbidden by Scripture, but it's not isolated just by itself. It's serious, very serious. Read Romans 1, super serious. But for us to just isolate it out, which a lot of people want to do, then we end up not handling it in a proper way. Because here's the thing. We're not just, look at me, we're not just trying to make a point. We're trying to make a difference. Did you hear me? I I refuse to just preach a message so I can get a bunch of already convinced people to say amen. Amen. That is not the purpose of a message. It's not about making a point. It's about making a difference. And so we have to deal with it. You must deal with it in the full context of all sexual sin and other things that are related to it. Does it what, what do we believe? What does Scripture say about it? That you should not do it. And we probably, and, and be real honest, we probably in this congregation tonight have some people dealing with some of those things. And no doubt, probably every one of us, uh, by some degree of separation or directly Connected, you have somebody you know or related to or whatever dealing, dealing with these things. And so it is an important and timely subject. And so it needs to be handled in a right way, not just so we can make a point, but so that we can make a difference. Ephesians, Ephesians 4.15 says this. But speaking the truth, everybody say truth, in love, say love, we grow. So if anybody's going to be helped, and that would be my goal. If anybody would be helped, we have to tell the truth in love. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background because I'm not afraid of this subject, okay? This is not new to me. Uh, Way before we started this church, I had a Bible study. It was unofficial, but it was a Bible study at Bush Gardens. And it was to entertainers at Bush Gardens. And it started out with a couple of people that we knew that were coming to our church at the time. And they said, we're just surrounded by such darkness and it's just heavy and we're depressed. And I had a, a season pass to Bush Gardens because we lived in Tampa at the time. My son, Lee, was a little guy. Every Friday, we'd go watch him feed the alligators. <laughs> Chunk them chickens. It was awesome. And so we were up there a lot just because it was something to do. And it was a lot of, a lot of fun and all. And so they said, is there any way when you come you could just share? And you know what? I started to share. And I started to go every week. And we did this for probably a year and a half. And before I knew it, I had a Bible study of about 30, 35 people. And probably 
28 to 30 of them, we would call gay. And we loved them and taught them the truth. And they had a heart for the things of God. And they were confused and hurt and, and different things like that. And I'll go a little bit further so that you know that we're not afraid of this subject. They would come to our house and sometimes sit and talk and cry and share things. And we had a very, very close friend who ended up dying of AIDS. Very close. And I want to say this to you. His name was Joey. And when we met Joey, Joey was married to Gail, a girl. And I took Joey for AIDS treatments. I took him to the hospital for different things. I took him to the clinic for things. Uh, we had just moved when he died. Right after we started the church, he died, the, the church up here. And I got to know them really good. We let uh, Joey and Gail take leave when he was little because Gail rode the elephant at Bush Gardens. So she could get all in and she, she would take leave. And we loved them and we trusted them. And they were, they were believers. They loved Jesus. Full-fledged love Jesus. And Joey told us this. He said, I'm, I'm born again now. He said, I'm married. I love my wife. He said, I still have, you know, pull in different ways. But he said, I want to tell you something. Because of things in my life, I went and became a homosexual male. And he said, and then when I wanted out of that lifestyle, and he was living in Tennessee at the time, he said, I went to a church. And the church told me the truth, but gave me no love and rejected me. I went back full speed into the lifestyle. And it is when he did that, that he contracted HIV. It's when he did that, that he contracted the disease. And then he came back, got born again and so forth. And, um, you know, so I've been around this. We're not afraid of this topic, but it must. Church, hear me. It must. We cannot just be conservative, right-wing everything, and just know the truth and make a point. Truth must be delivered with love. Because we're not just trying to make a point. We're trying to make a difference. Are you hearing me? So what I want to do, I want to take some time. I want to do it the right time. I don't want to like the pot pie, serve this before we're fully ready to do this. However, in the meantime, we have a, a pastor that I know of. I've visited his church numerous times for conferences and different things. Um, his name is Pastor Ed Young, Jr. He pastors uh, Fellowship Church, and they have a number of campuses. Their main campus is in Grapevine. It's in Dallas. And just about a month or so ago, Ed did, Pastor Ed did an incredible message uh, on this in a series called Kool-Aid. And he's talking about some real tough topics. And I want to invite you, and we've got it on the screen here. You can go and you can view this, this message here. Kool-Aid, part one. And here's where you go. Fellowshipchurch.com forward slash messages. Okay? So it's fellowshipchurch.com. And we were in contact with them today. Said, is this all right? Uh, that we send people this way? And they said, absolutely. So Kool-Aid part one, fellowshipchurch.com forward slash messages. And if you go to Kool-Aid part one, you'll, you'll get that message there. Let me say one other thing too. If you're here and you're part of the Meadowbrook family or whatever, you, you listen to me, listen to me. Because in that whole list, including homosexuality, as liars, fornicators, adulterers, 
And this, for some reason, this has become a real big, big social issue. And there's some, there's some reasons underlying that. I'm not going to get into all that tonight. But just like we would invite somebody dealing with pornography or lying or whatever, if you need some help, call us and talk to us. Come see us. If you're dealing with any of these same-sex issues, I want to tell you something. We accept you. We don't approve of that behavior. And please don't box us in and say that acceptance must mean approval. No, no, no. We can love you and say, but, you know, that's not right, but we can work on this. God will help you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I've gone way further than I want to go with this tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul lists out all those things. And then he says, and such were some of you. So there is, there is a way out of that. But listen, what I'm saying is if you're dealing with any of those things, we love you. We accept you. And if you need some help, you want to talk to somebody, please call us. Please call us. Because this is about truth, yes. But it's also about love. And when love and truth go together, then somebody gets some help. Amen? You see that tonight? All righty. And we'll come back at the right time when the pot pie is done. All right, can we shift gears tonight? Anybody mad at me because, well, I came on Wednesday night because I wanted you here to do this? Well, tough. <laughs> Glad you're here. Wednesday night's an awesome time to get here, so, so get here. Uh, we're in a series on real life. What I shared with you just now is real life. Uh, and I want to do something on vacation. And we just got back um, a week ago tonight from vacation. Um, I handle vacation real differently as far as um, I try not to study. I do a lot of reading. I continue my devotion time and so forth. And what's really fun for me is I'm not really seeking out for like any kind of sermon stuff. And so then when it comes to me, I recognize it. And the Lord gave me some things, the Jesus Said series that we're, we're on, but also some things that I want to begin tonight and we'll take a few weeks on this. But it has to do with, I'm just going to call it this, good morning. Everybody, everybody say good morning. good morning. All right, now we've talked about good night and goodbye, but I want to talk about good morning. Let me uh, read a verse for you, and then we're going to get into a couple things. And folks, listen to me, look at me. This is such a key to how the rest of your day and the rest of your life is going to go. What we're going to begin to share tonight. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 26. It said, after this, I awoke... And looked around, and my sleep was sweet to me. So that sleep means, in the Hebrew, it has the idea that it was very pleasant, and it left him pleasant. How many of you have ever woke up in the morning, and you just feel like, ah. come on, anybody? Okay. How many of you have ever woke up in the morning, and it's like, ah. Make that noise with me. Ah, okay. You know. How many of you have done that recently? Okay. So let's, let's look at something here because this is real, really very strategic. He said, I awoke, I looked around, and my sleep was sleep, uh, sweet to me. And that's based on some promises. And I just real quick want to let you know that you have some promises for this. Uh, Psalm 127.2 says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For he gives his beloved sleep. The Amplified Bible will bring this out. He even blesses his beloved in their sleep. So how many of you are going to be blessed tonight? Amen. Not in service. Don't sleep in service. Okay. That sleep is not blessed. 
Psalm 3, 5 says, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. At that point, David also said he was surrounded by 10,000 enemies. Psalm 4, 8 says, I will, and you need to declare this tonight before you go to bed. Psalm 4, 8, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. It's amazing to me, people I've talked to, I cannot sleep. That's what they'll say. I cannot sleep. Well, this is what I say. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. And I do sleep. So much so, my children can tell you this. Guests in my home can tell you this. That I am the mayor of Sleepy Town. (laughs) Because I get up so early in the morning. I only, you know, in the Olympics are messing with me. I want to stay up and watch us win. I'll go lay down and I'll hear everybody cheering in the living room. What did we win? What did we win? Rewind it, you know. Um, But, you know, I'm only going to stay up so late. But I have no problem sleeping. No problem. And I'm not lazy at all. I'm up up early. And I don't sleep just because I'm up early. But early to bed, early to rise, make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. But uh, I will, it's my declaration, I will both. Lie down in peace and sleep, for the Lord will make me dwell in safety. Now, it says that he woke up. And when you awake, and when you awake, it means this. You're starting from sleep. You're starting up after sleep. You regain consciousness. You become aware. How many of you are light sleepers? Okay, I'm a real light sleeper. I hear something, I'm up, but then I go, okay, it's cool. And I can go right back. Some of my children... How many of you have watched the movie, What About Bob? Okay. Kind of like that. But um, the rest of you, really one of our favorite movies. Just hilarious. But some people, it takes them a while to kind of get things, get things going. But either way, it's now that you're awake, what do we do? Now listen, this is very, very serious here. Waking up, you start your day. And this is a super critical time because it sets the tone for the whole day. Maybe you've said this or heard this. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed. What does that mean? They got up crotchety and they stayed that way the whole day. Or I've been running behind all morning or or all day. You know, and it's because, you know, things that happen in the morning, they kind of set the tone for the whole day. Listen to me. The enemy loves to mess with your mornings. The enemy loves to mess with your mornings. He loves to hinder you right at the starting gate. That's how he can keep you from winning the race tomorrow and the day after that is to mess you up right at the starting gate. And we've got to be aware of this. We've got to be intentional about this because too often, let me put it this way, we're accepting baggage. We just wake up. Now, listen to me. We just wake up and we feel certain ways and we just accept it. We just, oh, well, I'm this way today. You know what? You have stowaways. You have baggage that has been strapped to you that you should not have to carry for the day. And so a lot of times we wake up in the morning and we have what we call this fog on us. Fog. And I think it means this, fear and other garbage. Now believe for the other fog, which is the favor of God, okay? But we wake up some mornings. How many of you have had fear or other garbage on you some mornings when, when you get up? Okay, let's look at this. You need to sort that kind of thing out. It's heaviness. It's that funk. 
You feel blue, sorrow, fear, dread, distraction, shame, temptation, cares, confusion, anxiety. And listen to me, most of it is soulish. And we're going to get on to that in just a second here. Most of that is happening in the soul part of you, that you have this fog going on. Now, sometimes you hinder yourself. I'll go ahead and say it. Most of the time you hinder yourself. And I'll get to it a little more uh, directly here in a few moments, but it's how you close out your day. And let me go ahead and say it is important what you eat. It is important that you get your body moving and you exercise somehow. It is important what you take in through the ear gate, through the eye gate and so forth. It is very, very important, those things, because those are going to those are going to impact your body and they're going to impact your soul. And so when you get up, you've got you've got to travel. Listen, folks, you've got to travel in this body. You've got to travel and your little computer there in your soul. You know, that's got to be wired right and it can't be all gunked up from things. So in the mornings when you when you wake up. And how many of you would be honest and humble enough to say, yeah, probably within the last week I've woke up and had some fog on me. Okay. And it's more than just, you know, wiping the sleep out of your eyes. It's just like, it's that kind of thing. Okay. You need to start to identify what it is. You need to sort it out. I, I wrote this in my notes. You need to check the no fly list. You know, cause it's like, if you're an airplane, you're just letting everybody on. And you need to kind of check some IDs because some things are coming on that you're actually redeemed from. Some things are coming on that are from the enemy. Some things are coming on that you, you should not be carrying and have to, have to deal with. And you have to sort that out because sometimes you may have some heaviness, some dread, some fear or whatever. But yet at the same time, you may have some real problems, a real uh, issue, some big responsibilities going on. And you're going to feel those things. But you need to sort those things out and not just listen. This is what most people do. They wake up. They've got fog on them, fear and other garbage. And they just go, okay. And then they just embark on their day with all this junk on them. Have you ever done it? Okay. Now let's look at this because we're, we're going to give you some ways to, to handle this. Man is a trinity. Okay. We were created in the likeness and the image of God. God is a the Trinity, I'm going to give you some heavy doctrine stuff here just real quick, okay? But you'll, you'll be able to get it. There's three schools of thought on this. There's trichotomy that, that man is three parts, spirit, soul, and body. You have dichotomy that man is just soul and body. And then you have monism, which man is just, you know, no moving parts, no replaceable parts. He's a disposable lighter. He's just, you know, just all one thing. We believe, according to Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I pray that God would sanctify you, Holy Spirit, soul, and body. And Hebrews 4.12, 12, 12, 12, Hebrews 4.12, it talks about the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to get down and pierce and divide even among, between spirit and soul. So you can get down there and, and, and separate those things. But you are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Okay. Now the unseen eternal parts of you are your spirit and your soul. And they work together and only the word of God can divide those. So you can tell which is which. And that's a whole nother teaching for another time. But are you with me so far? Let's look at the soul just for a minute. Because most of what we're talking about, that how the devil likes to mess with your mornings, has to do with the soul. 
Now, if you're drinking two liters of, of uh, orange soda and a frozen pizza and a pot pie at quarter till one in the morning and you wake up, you're going to have at least fog. Okay? You're going to have all kinds of things going on. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about all other things being appropriate. You wake up in the morning. Because I can wake up in the morning and it's like, okay, this ain't right. You are not flying with me today. Check my no-fly list. No, I'm not blue today. I'm not cranky today. I'm not depressed today. I am not fearful today. And we're going to learn over the next few weeks, then what do we do? How do we deal with those things? And there's some very clear, direct ways that we can do it. And listen to me. If you're looking at me and thinking this isn't important, this is so important you can't even believe it. Your life will change if if you get a hold of this. So the soul, briefly, in the soul you have the will, the intellect, the emotions, and this is the scary part too, your subconscious. So that's why you need to be careful what you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're reading, so forth. Because the subconscious is like your garage. How many of you know your garage is really a mess sometimes and organized, uh, unorganized and all kinds of stuff. And it's scary what might be out there. Three honest people. Okay. Well, your subconscious. And you never know when some things are just going to kind of come out there. But your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Now get this. Let me put it in another order. Intellect, emotions, will. So it's in the soul. Everybody say in the soul. soul. It's in the soul where we think, where we feel, and where we decide. That's pretty important. Because for the rest of your day then, if something is hindering the soul, where I think, feel, and decide, then guess what? Throughout my day, my thinking, my feeling, and my emotions, and my decisions are going to be greatly affected. Are you all hearing me? And so we've got to deal with this at the soulish level where it would be. Now, that's the location of it. Some things are spiritual, some things are other things. But that is where that is happening. And we've got to be careful of this. Deal with the fog because it will affect how you think, how you feel, how you decide. Okay, let me just ask you again. And, you know, you don't have to holler out the answer here. But how many of you have had your emotions... Later in the day, affected by the morning or your decisions you made, you know, or you've acted out in different ways or whatever, you know, and it happens. Think, feel, decide. That's in the soulish part of you. And it's important that you understand that you are spirit, soul, and body because then you can better understand yourself. I'm going to tell you this too. You'll be able to handle temptation better too because you'll know where is that coming from and how do I deal with this. And the real me, the spirit man... I'm under no obligation to the flesh to do what the flesh wants to do. You've got to be able to separate that out. I I put it this way too. You know, we're in election season. Everything's an election. And the spirit is always, Romans tells us, the spirit is always, paraphrase here, it's always going to vote for the things of God. The body's always going to be contrary. That's the opposite party. The swing vote, the deciding vote, it's in the soul. That's why we've got to renew our minds and keep fog off of the soul so that we can vote for the things of God instead of, you know, being wishy-washy in our soul, caving into temptation because the body says, no, we want to do this. This is going to be fun. It's awesome. You know, and your spirit saying, don't do it, man. It's, 
You're going to be depressed in two minutes. Don't you remember the last time? I mean, it's just, it's just whatever it would be. And so we've got to under, have a good understanding of that. And I, I'm just touching on that tonight. Now, let me do just two things here because of sake of time, and then we'll get out of here. First thing that you need to remember is a principle I first learned from Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, and it's the principle of entering and leaving. Entering and leaving. Let me put it to you this way. How you leave affects how you enter. And that's in every area of life. That's in jobs. That's in churches. We're very careful, very intentional about what goes on here. Because you know what? How you leave will affect how you enter again. So if you come in here and I yell at you and the place stinks and things messy and makes no sense. And, you know, they're mean to your kids and you carry your baby out and somebody stole their shoes. Y'all with me? And I do four offering messages every service. Then as soon as you get out of here, you go, we ain't going there again. Or the next time it's time to go to church, you go, "Uh, I got a headache. Really bad one. We'll watch online. Oh, instead, I think I'll play solitaire. You know, whatever it would be. Because how you leave affects how you enter. If you leave one room mad, how are you going to enter the next room? You're going to leave mad. Okay? Question. How, when you, when, you, when you wake up in the morning, here would be the question if you're dealing with fog. How did I leave yesterday? How did I leave last night? How did I leave? Let me give you another principle. I don't have time to really expand this. First and final 15. First and final 15. 15 minutes. 15. Three of these. 15 minutes. 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at night, at least, okay? That's just to get you started. But you need to close off your night. Don't let Conan or Leno or, or anybody else close your night for you. You close your night with God. Get you a good devotional, read a psalm, pray, thank God. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the, of the same, his name is to be praised. Thank him for at least three things. I told you, never even talk to God. Unless you thank him for at least three things. Because he's done so much for you. How did you leave? Ephesians tells us this. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, on your wrath. Because if you do that, you're going to give place. Everybody say place. You give place to the devil. The word place there in the Greek is the word topo. Which is like top, topography. Topographical. It means to give a territory to. Figuratively, it means that you give an opportunity, a place to stand for the devil, that if you go to bed angry, well, she made me mad. Well, you got, how you leave this day is going to affect how you enter. My boss was mean to me. I can't talk to him. It's time to go to bed. You don't have to be angry, though. You can resolve things later, but don't sleep with anger. You sleep with anger, you're going to wake up with some fog. You're going to wake up with some emotional depression. You're going to wake up with some soulish activity that you don't like. Some heaviness that would be on you. You've got to get rid of it. Flush it. Do something. Just figuratively just go flush it. I am not mad anymore. You do what you got to do. And cast it over on the Lord. Is that too much for y'all? We're talking about everything tonight anyway. So, so how did you leave last night? It's an important thing. 
And then let me just do one other thing here so that, because um, I don't, I don't want to, how you leave affects how you enter again. I don't want you to leave so late. Go, I'm not going because he kept us till 10.15 on Wednesday. Um, fog. Everybody say fog again. Um, I'm just going to kind of end with this. The sun, S-O-N, will clear away the fog. Did you get that? Time in his presence will burn off the fog. Have you ever seen a morning that was just so foggy? And by mid-morning, what happened? It all cleared. And that's what they call it, too. It just burned off. What burned it off? The S-U-N. Who's the light of your life? That's Owen. The sun will clear the fog. A Pop-Tart won't. A really good hair day won't. I mean, whatever else that it is, you know, uh, extra espresso won't. The sun will. And, and I believe this. Solitude is full of God. And things can happen in a moment. I think some people are afraid to just get still, but I'm, I'm telling you the honest truth. I've had an entire soul reset and joy come into my heart before in an instant of time because I just got still with God and said, God, I just need you. I know this shouldn't be all my life. I need you. You're my everything. You're my Lord. You're my owner. You're my ruler. You're my master. And just to wait a moment in his presence, and I'm telling you what, the sun will clear out the fog. So the number one way to get this stuff off of you, and we're going to get real detailed and strategic in the next couple of weeks on this, so you don't want, you don't want to miss this, but the sun will clear the fog out of your life. So, you know, if it's 9.30, 10.15 in the morning and you still got fog on you, you need to take a time out, okay? You need to take a time out. If you haven't taken care of it already, and I'm telling you what, the earlier, the better. The earlier, the better to get those things out of the way. And uh, it'd be amazing when you get that fog off of you, how you think, how you feel, how you decide. You're going to be voting in line with the things of God, what Jesus said. Your life's going to change. Your, your world's going to change. The people in your family, they're going, what happened to you? You're now happy and clear and, and so forth. Amen? Would you get anything at all, at all of this tonight?